turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, Wednesday, September 8th, 2021. A lot to get to today. Got some great guests coming up in a fabulous uh, essay in Newsweek, current issue of Newsweek by Lee Habib. He'll join us in the third hour about an open letter he wrote to his mayor shaming his community on issues of vaccination. Maybe the best thing I've read on it. Uh, our good friend Lee Habib will join us with his piece in Newsweek about that community in Tennessee in which his mayor is attacking people like him. And uh, he'll talk more about that. The countdown to the commemoration this Saturday of 20 years since 9-11 has become yet more interesting. Let's dial back just a moment to recall that when Joe Biden first announced the withdrawal plan from Afghanistan in July, it was timed so that it would be an especially meaningful thing given 9-11. He timed it to commemorate the anniversary of 9-11. And obviously none of that has worked out, at least not for the purposes it was intended, at least not for Americans to have a good feeling about themselves. Unfortunately, and in an irony of history, our enemies will feel better about themselves on the 20th anniversary of 9-11 than we will feel about ourselves. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. The mockery doesn't end. We talked yesterday. I've heard others talking about it today. We've talked yesterday about what it took to bring back the deserter Bo Bergdahl took six American lives. Six of his fellow soldiers died trying to find him and rescue him. And then, of course, we negotiated with the Taliban who was holding him to give them five of the detainees from Guantanamo in exchange for him. Five to one exchange. Four of those five are now in the government of Afghanistan under the Taliban. The ironies and the hits just as the shame keeps on coming. So you find an interesting thing, don't you? You find instead of the focus being on this most hallowed of ceremonies in our lifetime, the 20th anniversary of the single greatest terrorist attack on our shores, you would think we would be building up towards more discussion of it. There's very little from the White House on this. In fact, what they told us is that Joe Biden will be giving a major speech tomorrow with a new six-point plan on COVID. Do understand what's happening here. Do understand that the crisis industrial complex is well at work so that the crisis is now no longer Afghanistan. It's now the border—excuse me, it's now covid The reason I slipped the tongue is that's how they have moved us. We had a crisis at the border. Unless I missed the bulletin, 
it never got solved. In fact, I know I didn't miss the bulletin as I just read a story about 41 pounds of fentanyl seized at the border. Do you know what that 41 pounds could do to this country? 10 million lives is what it could do to this country. Dead. It could take 10 million lives. That's what was seized. Is the border crisis solved? No. So we went from the border to Afghanistan. But to borrow and to paraphrase Barack Obama in compliance with FCC guidelines, don't underestimate the ability of Joe Biden to mess things up. It's a Barack Obama quote. He didn't use the word mess. And so now that Afghanistan... God help us, should be a mess. I wish it were as good as a mess. We now move back to COVID, which is itself a very interesting thing to me, a very interesting thing. Because when Joe Biden spoke at the Democratic National Committee uh, Convention accepting his nomination last summer, we had lost 170,000 Americans with or from COVID. 170,000 when Joe Biden accepted the nomination, at which point he said in his convention speech that there could be no greater symbol of Donald Trump's failure than those 170,000 lives lost. There's a problem, of course, a problem for anyone who wants to just spend a little time on their research machine, be it Google or anything else. You know what that problem is? That problem is that 64% more than that 170,000 have died exclusively under Joe Biden's presidency. 267,000 people have lost their lives from or with COVID since Joe Biden became president. Is that a failure, the way Donald Trump was, according to Joe Biden, last summer? Is Afghanistan? Is the border? I'm waiting for Joe Biden to fix something and not make it worse. I'm off track just a little bit from my earlier thoughts. John Dos Passos, the great novelist, wrote that in times of change and danger, when there's a quicksand of fear under men's reasoning, a sense of continuity with generations gone before can stretch like a lifeline across the scary present and get us past that idiotic delusion of the exceptional now that blocks good thinking. That is why in times like ours, when old institutions are caving and being replaced by new institutions, not necessarily in accord with most men's preconceived hopes, political thought has to look backwards as well as forwards. Focus on that phrase about the importance of history being a lifeline across the scary present to get us past the idiot delusion of the exceptional now that blocks good thinking. Has anything better been said to describe what I call the crisis industrial complex? Keep us all in fear. Erase our sense of history, just as George Orwell predicted, just as was worried about from every ancient Grecian to Abraham Lincoln in 1838. And we have nothing to look to to find the bandages for our own wounds. We jump, in the words of historian Wilfred McClay, who we'll be interviewing on Friday, we jump 
meaninglessly from lily pad to lily pad without any understanding of the past or the present or the future and diverting us from any understanding of human things that unfold in time, including the paths of our own lives and history. This is where we are today. This is where we are heading into the 20th anniversary of 9-11. To say nothing of what I worry about with regard to our next big commemoration. I'm not sure what it is, but it might be 2026. It might be five years from now, which will be the 250th anniversary of our nation's founding. If 1776 is indeed still conceived of as our nation's founding. Lincoln said it was. The New York Times says it isn't. It's something much closer to 100 years before, 150 years before. We have this at the same time Gallup tells us that American pride, quote, has continued its downward trajectory, reaching the lowest point in two decades of Gallup measuring American pride. Although 42% of adults in the U.S. say they are extremely proud to be an American, 42% is the lowest they have been since Gallup started measuring this. Think about that. Gallup itself tells us 42% is still a good number, even though it's the lowest number. What happened, honestly, what happened to a country that used to understand what the French philosopher Jean-Francois Ravel once wrote? Quote, clearly a civilization that feels guilty for everything it is and does will lack the energy and conviction to defend itself, close quote. Stop the guilt. Stop the socialism. Stop the rewriting of history. And stop the anxious propitiation of our enemies. That would be a good start. Easier said than done. But we're here, you and me, to try and do it together. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Time. As Dr. Mar- <coughs> as Dr. Mar- excuse me, as Dr. McCartney said, I get by with the little help of my friends. One of them is the vice president of all things important here, Chris Llewellyn, who is sitting in as my producer today. Thank you for doing this, Chris. Bill will be back with us tomorrow. Everything good in your world, I take it, I hope. Oh, as good as, good as it can be in this world, right? I was thinking of the cartoon. Can anyone reproduce it? I couldn't find it, but there was a cartoon circulating around uh, somewhere around January 7th or so, uh, obviously given the situation on the Capitol. And it was a cartoon. Did you remember, do you remember seeing this, Chris, of a depiction of the year 2020, walking the year 2021 into an office and said, here, let me show you around. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of feels that way. We laugh because we have no choice. Um, I was thinking about 
the point we were just on a few moments ago when listener Richard sent me a quote from Malcolm Muggridge, who was a theologian and turned out, as William Buckley wrote in one of his books, his most favored of guests, his most favorite guest on Firing Line. I remember re- reading that as a young kid and seeing Malcolm Muggridge was going to be on Firing Line and tuning it in and calling all my friends as a young, dorky little kid. <laughs> and it was it just it was better left to adults. But in any event, Malcolm Muggridge said, one of the things that appalls me and saddens me about the world today is the condition of words. Words can be polluted even more dramatically and drastically than rivers and lands and seas. Joe Biden today said we can't use the word tornado anymore. Does anyone have any bleeding concept of what he's talking about? I couldn't understand what the heck he meant. Does anyone know? Why can't we use the word? He said we don't use the word tornado anymore. We don't? Is he offending tornadoes? Well, that's what someone on Seb's show said. Is it because O is a masculine form of ending and it doesn't include females? I don't know. I don't know. It's odd. Our condition worsens. I should say his condition worsens. Listener Charles, these are my friends. Charles, Richard, all of you are my friends. But that was the point of quoting Dr. McCartney. Listener Charles writes, President Biden is doing everything Democrats feared Trump was going to do. Good point. Think about it. Trump was going to ruin foreign relations. He was a danger as the commander in chief of the military. He was going to ruin immigration policy. He was going to ruin the Middle East. He was reckless with COVID. Right, 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 right. Charles writes, if the Democrats had quit being obsessed with fretting over then-President Trump and just look at what bad things were not happening then that are happening now, maybe they would not be accused of having Trump derangement syndrome. It's a good point. As I reiterate, find me the one thing that's been improved. There were things that were not making news, which was a good thing. The border was not making news. Afghanistan, where no one had died in the entirety of the last year. No American had died in the entirety of the last year. That wasn't making news. It's the dog that didn't bark, right? It's the dog that didn't bark. It's an interesting point to consider about what the Democrats think success is. It's a more important question as to what Americans think success is. Are we doing better on the three biggest items of the day than we were a year ago? Are we doing better with immigration? Are we doing better with terrorism? Afghanistan, foreign policy, even in the Middle East? Are we? And COVID. Are we doing better with COVID? I'm one not wanting to blame the president for every little thing that happens with COVID or every big thing that happens with COVID, including the advent of COVID. But I'm also not going to let people get away with claiming moral high ground that they don't deserve. When Joe Biden says, let us not politicize this disease, I'm on board. Let's not. You started it. I just told you what he said at the Democratic Convention last summer. Guess what? 
Last summer, we were averaging a little more than 43,000 new infections a day. CNN went nuts. Nuts. Headline, children COVID hospitalizations hit all-time high. That was last summer. 43,000 new infections a day under Donald Trump. Stop the world. Guess what? We hit 150,000 new infections a day a couple of days ago. Nothing about Biden. Nothing. Nothing. It's not his fault. You lose 170,000 Americans, it's case number one against the President of the United States. You lose 267, 64% more, and you're a hero. You're the good guy. As the saying goes, at least we don't have those mean tweets anymore. You feeling better about being an American now? Because you don't have those mean and nasty tweets? Is that success? I'm often asked, how do you turn it around? You're often asked that. And I'm going to get into that a little bit more, some today and some on Friday. Friday's a good day to get into it. Because really what the 20th anniversary of 9-11 is all about is everything. It's all about everything. And in a few minutes, I mean, when I say everything, I mean everything. Epistemologically, distinctions between good and evil. Morality, bad and worse, liberator, oppressor, civilian, terrorist, just ad bellum, just end bellum, rights to go to war, rights in war, who we are, what are we to defend, why were we attacked? Could the series of questions around 9-11 be bigger? They could not. And that's why I'm going to talk a little bit more about it on Friday. But in just a few moments, I do want to talk about how we got here. How did we get to a place where it is more popular in certain venues to sit for the national anthem rather than stand? Where it is more popular to applaud athletes who refuse to stand up for the national anthem than it is to criticize them. How did we get here? How did we get to America being a down market commodity in the minds, not of our enemies, but of ourselves? Perhaps the biggest question this country has to face. We'll talk about it shortly. We'll be right back. Boy, you go uh, one great voice to another. Uh, Dolly Parton, John Dombrowski with our culture and economy update right here at 334. We do it every day with him. He has his own show here on Saturday mornings at 7 a.m., The Word on Wealth on 960 The Patriot. He is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website. How are you doing, J.D.? Doing great. Dolly Parton, boy, uh, she's better looking than me. And uh, she does 9 to 5, but I think I do 5 to 9. Yeah, could she, <laughs> could she record 9 to 5 today? Would anyone know what it means? It's a great question. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if anyone knows what it means I think there's anymore. a movie, too, uh, about uh, I don't know if anyone knows what Dr. Pepper Time means anymore. Do Dr. you remember Pepper Dr. Pepper Time? Time? I you think know, it was like 10 and 2. 
if yeah, I'm not mistaken. You got me where, on that one. Where not you're supposed big, to put your hands on the steering wheel. The not ten a big factor. Yeah, the 10 and 2, my <laughs> wife always says that. <laughs> 10 and 2, John. <laughs> Do you notice watch ads on big uh, on, on you know big displays on the streets and whatever, the outdoor advertising mm-hmm. of watch ads? Yes. They're always at the same time. You yes. notice that? No, I didn't. I, yeah. You know what? I 10 after notice. 10, always. Really? 10 after I'm 10. Gonna, oh, now you know what's going to happen. I'm going to be yeah. looking at those billboards instead of looking at the road. You Thank bet, you, Seth. You bet. Talk to me about what's going on today. Not a great day for the market and some questions even amongst the Democrats about reappointing uh, reappointing the Fed chair, Jerry Powell, right? Uh, that's true. And also Janet, Ellen, Janet yeah. Yellen, Yellen today, right. urging Congress to raise the debt limit, warning Pelosi about extraordinary measures yeah. potentially running out soon. This is probably one of the bigger... Um, stories of the day, uh, you know, obviously we had uh, the debt ceiling, which had been reached back in July, I believe it was. And Janet Yellen did mention that extraordinary measures were going to be taken, taking place in order to be uh, continuing to paying the national debt. And of course, at this point, uh, unable to continue to uh, print more money and, and raise more money. Uh, so this is going to be a critical uh, point in time here. If uh, Congress can't act on this, I would hope that both uh, the Republicans and the Democrats can come together and make a decision on this. And they're going to probably have to raise the debt ceiling, though, Seth. This is this is the issue. Whether or not, uh, you know, Jerome Powell is going to be uh, reappointed or not, I don't know about that either. That's an interesting thing. I don't know if they're going to want to change uh, the course on on um, what what's been happening right now it seems to be something that's been fairly uh, in line with what the what everyone is is uh, saying about uh, about him as far as his ability to maintain the level of uh, um, information that he's been giving out to the public and what he's been uh, his policies have been very reasonable I think at this point yeah you've 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 had good sober analysis of what seems to be his and best I can tell I you're right too John it's a lot of factors that just don't I don't immediately connect. So when it comes to like the kind of thing we were talking about yesterday, which is this odd fueling of inflation mm-hmm. because of payroll increase, right? Yes. Or, or higher higher wages. Higher wages. Yeah, right. higher wages. I mean, in a in in a first sense, you might not think, well, that that's really not the Fed's fault. On the other hand, you do have a government that has artificially propped up. A lot of income that disincentivizes people to work for less. Right? Well, they had the Jolts report that came out today too. Yep. Job openings, yep. which were the highest openings in history now again, Seth. So uh, there's a mismatch here yeah, between that's, that's right. Yeah, between qualified uh, workers for the job openings, and this is a challenge that uh, I think we're going to have to retool. And I'm, I'm looking at this and, and trying to understand what is going to have to happen for this country. To be able to get back and be competitive again, we may have to retool uh, our, our workforce to be able to help them and educate them to be able to be prepared to take the jobs that are going to be available out there as, as we're starting to see uh, companies are changing the way they're going to be doing business. And I think that's just going to be uh, part of a new way that, that people are going to have to think uh, when they're preparing for their future, especially people coming out of maybe some of the colleges or even even if, if you've got younger kids in your family, uh, boy, make sure that you try to help them and urge them to take a career path that's going to be something that they're going to be able to get uh, a good employment. And uh, one of those areas is obviously we can see that technology is 
certainly going to be a way for us to get out of the pandemic. Many of the companies have been able to survive because of innovation and technology. And uh, I think that's going to be a wonderful place for uh, the younger generation to uh, to be able to be educated on and to be able to be trained to take over the new positions that are going to be available. It's always back to the schools. I agree. Yeah, thank I'm, you. Yeah, it is. Thank you, sir. Securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of Finran Sipic and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Check out our website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. Fastest you, tongue and brain oh in the West. All thank right. you, JD. Thank you. Bless you, sir. Bless you. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. Here's a little meatloaf. We'll be right back. Would it be annoying or actually interesting if I made a small comment about every song in the bumper. The, uh, I'll just say this about that. Uh, this is a song written by Jim Steinman. It was originally written for Meatloaf. They got into a fight as they have their whole lives. And he said, fine. And he took it to Barry Manilow, who got a hit out of it. And then Meatloaf did end up doing it, I think, better. But uh, that's how Barry Manilow got it. Don't fight. John is in Phoenix. Hi, John. Hi, Seth. How are you? I am doing great. Hey, uh, you know, you were talking about a couple different things there. You were talking about our... <laughs> That's what people say to me all the time. That's what they say. Seth, you're talking about a couple different things. <laughs> right? yeah. okay. I love it. I love it. You okay. can talk about these. <laughs> if, 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 if they come together. Yeah. <laughs> Ideally, they all come together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, sir. Um, what, what, ha- what can the Biden administration actually claim to be doing regarding COVID different than the Trump administration. They were very critical. It was a huge campaign issue. Trump supposedly bungled the whole thing. But what are they doing that's actually any different from what Trump was doing? I think they have a relationship with the media that's either articulated. (laughs) No, really, I do. This is a serious answer. And yeah, I get the sense here. But I think they have a relationship with the media that is, though unarticulated, evident. Knowing that the media will go along with them on issues of impatience with bad news. So it is true. The media did. I mean, CNN did cover the border for about a week. They did for about a week. <laughs> uh, as they, different, yeah, no, I. But then they move on, I, and 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 that was not a luxury that Republicans ever have, or a luxury Donald Trump had. Um, what's interesting about it to me is, with Donald Trump, they kind of knew they had a live one, whereas here they kind of know they don't. In this sense, with Donald Trump, they would ask him question after question about. COVID about everything at any of these press conferences that he would hold, and he would go for a good hour or more taking the questions. That's a distinction that obtains here. Joe Biden doesn't take questions, and he certainly doesn't take more than three or four ever. Mostly he doesn't. When he does, he stops at three or four. And the media seems to be okay with it because there is an agenda over there. So I think the plan all along was we will do the best we can, but we'll have the media at least on our side. So we don't have to we don't have to cross every T and dot every I as long as we're the untrump they'll take care of us. I think that's well, the plan. I, w- I do. I would agree with that, but at some point 
somebody's going to come along and challenge him in, in 2024, if, if not sooner, but and say, what did you do different than the Trump? There Trump are there are there are the two distribution things set up. Trump had distribution set up, so he can't claim that we that they distributed the, the vaccines. That was already set up. He didn't do anything different other than uh, nibble around the edges maybe on some of that, but he didn't do anything different. Well, I'll tell you something. Two top FDA researchers didn't resign under Donald Trump to media silence as they did under Joe Biden. You aware of this story? Two of the most respected yeah. – re- yes, of course – and it's nowhere in the They're news except talk radio. Absolutely. I Listen, yeah. John, I, I think what I want to say about this is COVID was never Donald Trump's fault any more than it was any American's fault, any more than 9-11 was our fault. We were attacked one way or another, either deliberately or accidentally with an, a deliberate cover-up. Okay? That's what happened with COVID. And the Democrats politicized it because Jane Fonda said the quiet part out loud when she said, thank God for COVID to get rid of Trump. Jane Fonda said, thank God for COVID to get rid of Trump. And the truth of the matter is, by any analysis, we are doing worse under Biden than we were at this time under Donald Trump. Yes. And to make well, but to make matters worse while knowing a whole lot more while having a year's worth of knowledge on this and to make matters worse for people who say, well, lay off Joe. It's not his fault. I get it. It isn't. Not really. But the rules he applied was that it was Donald Trump's fault and it's worse now under his watch. So is he exonerated from the rule he established? Is that fair? Is that pol- yeah. is, is that the political world we now live in where he... Yeah. He, he is excused, he is exonerated from the same scorecard that he applied to his opponent in order to win the office he now maintains? Is, 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 is that appropriate? Well, it doesn't matter because the ideology is what matters. The ends justify the means. Old Maoist yeah. concept that has now been adopted in full by American journalism. The ends justify the means. Yeah. So I don't have a great answer except to say it wasn't Joe Biden's fault and it wasn't Donald Trump's fault, but Joe Biden held Donald Trump accountable for things that he refuses to be held accountable for when they are even worse. That's the issue. That's the issue. Uh, On a a related topic, Seth, why aren't we hearing more news about the vaccine protests? In Australia, Canada, France, I think some African nations and other countries around the world are the people are really uprising over the vaccine mandates and the COVID policy that their um, totalitarian type uh, leaders are putting them under. Why aren't we hearing more about it? Yeah, it's almost silent. I don't I don't hear anything. Because in France, there's something and in these other countries, there's something called national pride and love of country and common sense. And America has become the kind of country we used to send aid to. That's why. Wow. I honestly hate saying it, but I think it's true. Yeah. How can you look uh, at what how can you look at the notion that we are paying nearly six figures to people to pick up human excrement in California on the government dole, while we are at the same time releasing terrorists 
in exchange for deserters that cost American lives while at the same time surrendering to those very terrorists we put back into the field so that they could be leadership of the government that now hates us. I mean, at what point, at what point do you say this country doesn't really have what it used to? This country has a lot of problems. There's an, there's an, there's an old Spalding Gray movie, and I don't mean to make light of it. Uh, it was called Gray's Anatomy. No, I got it all wrong. There's an old movie that Spalding Gray is in, and he wanders into a church basement thinking he's there for choir practice, and it's an AA meeting he sits through an hour of, and he says, wow, I'm just sitting here thinking the chorus has a lot of problems. Someone walking into America today, I think they'd say this country has a lot of problems. And Joe Biden has made all of them worse. All of them. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Those are the uh, nimble fingers of Lee Rittenauer. Maynard Ferguson on trumpet. Jack is in Phoenix. Hi, Jack. Hey, how are you? I should say hello, Jack. (laughs) Am I the first caller who's mentioned that he's had a COVID uh, booster shot? Yes, you win $100,000. I made history. You made history. (laughs) And you made the vein in my GM, Jim Ryan's forehead, just bulge a little <laughs> because I, I just said something contest oriented. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Go on. Yeah, you, I think you are the first to say that, though. How did it work out for you? Uh, oh, fine. Uh, I had the two shots in March, yeah. Moderna, yeah. and I had a um, test in May, an antibody test, and it was high, so I was comfortable with all that. And But I saw my leukemia doctor two weeks ago, and he said, uh, oh, you should go get a booster shot. Uh, you're immune compromised. I said, oh, well, I, said, I started telling him all the headlines I've been seeing, you know, eight months, and then it was five months. And then today I saw, yesterday I saw September 20, and then today I saw a headline about the WHO saying hold off on any boosters for the rest of the year. Uh, so it's just this big mishmash of messages. And um, but I mean, the booster was fine. It was so easy. Um, the doctor recommended it. I went over to Walgreens. They said, no problem. Sign this little three by five card uh, that I'm immune compromised. They gave me a shot with no problem. Uh, and it was the Moderna. So I've had three Moderna shots now. Um, but um, have you ever had COVID? Even... Have you ever had COVID? Oh, no, okay. uh, not at all. Okay. okay. Good. Um, no. Thank you. What can I tell you? Uh, I've added, you know, I have this list of two pages now. It's got run two. I've got to write it up when I find the time of things the government has told us about COVID. They're all important things, important things about COVID that have not been true for more than six weeks, less than two months. And I will now add booster shots as one of them because Fauci has. Well, Fauci, that's right. Fauci started by saying, I don't envision needing a booster shot. And then we got to we're, we're in development for the third booster shot, which we're going to encourage. And now or the third shot, which will be a booster shot. And now we're told about a fourth. Yeah, I well, can't wait WHO for the fourth WHO mask. Huh? The WHO I saw that. Said, yes. So how do you follow the signs? That's a great point. A year ago, the World Health Organization could do no wrong. Today, the World Health 
Organization Director General Tedros Adonhom Gabresus said we should not be using a booster stop for the rest of the year, the rest of the calendar year. Follow the science or follow Joe Biden? What do you want?